to pretend to eat these next two oh weeks. My the thing is, Josh, he put so much sauce on oh, these. That's things. how it was last time. It was not. Yes, it was. Listen yes, to Preston. He's not even tasting any of these. I tasted all those Uh, I wish I could say I'm excited about it, <laughs> but I'm actually dreading getting into the hot wings that we have in front of us, uh, but it's going to be fun. How long did that take you and how did that, how did, <laughs> how did that drive go? <laughs> Alright, I think we're done. Yes. Thank you for this. Yeah, no problem. Hopefully people got a chance to get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, hopefully you did. And I don't know if we'll ever do this again. I don't think we will. Alright, thank you. <laughs> wow. All right, we're done. Oh Cut. my gosh, cut it. Done. I understand it. They barely, it looks like they barely took bites off of me. <laughs> They're like nibbling on them. You are so fortunate to be a part of this message today because today we are kicking off the series, The Secret Sauce, a recipe for healthy relationships. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to help you create delicious relationships, relationships you actually enjoy, life-giving relationships, hope-filled relationships, joyful relationships. Now, we won't cover everything, but we will give you several key ingredients. And there are other ingredients, but no relationship is healthy without the ingredients I'm providing in this series. You know, I'm a natural communicator. I never struggle with trying to say what I wanted to say. Even when I was a kid in Sunday school, my teachers would compliment my ability to ask questions and explain myself. In high school, I was a good debater, often engaging students in political and religious conversations. When I was 16, I led our student group at our church and had more students in my Wednesday night gathering than the pastor had adults. So for me, communication was always a strength. Or so I thought. When I got married, everything changed. Or maybe I should say when I got married, I learned a lot about communication I did not know. About six months into our marriage, I realized I wasn't as effective of a communicator as I thought. Well, let's back up a little. All healthy, life-giving, joyful relationships rest on a solid foundation of connection. If there is no connection, there is no relationship. It doesn't matter if it's between friends, spouses, siblings, parents. All relationships rest on a foundation of connection. When I say connection, I mean two or more people who do not merely know each other or even talk with each other, but these two or more people are connected. They know and understand each other at a much deeper and more intimate level. And because they are, love, respect, honor, encouragement, all flow in and through them to each other. Do you get that? And the fastest route to connection, the quickest way to establish and keep connection between these two or more people is effective, clear, strong communication. That is our first ingredient, communication. When I say communication, I do not mean talking. Listen carefully to this. Talking is often the most dangerous thing people can do. When talking is done poorly, communication isn't happening. And when communication isn't happening, confusion sets in. Misunderstanding occurs. Hurt feelings develop. People get angry. Just because two or more people are talking, it does not mean they are communicating. By the way, healthy communication is happening much less 
than you might think. Did you know that 86% of all marriages that jump track and crash list poor communication as the number one reason? And think about it. How many people do you know who are either divorcing or have divorced? It represents a lot of people. 97% of marriages that list their communication as excellent are happily married. What does that reveal? It reveals that healthy communication is critical to healthy relationships. Without it, you have no relationship. Now, this is huge. Communication isn't only about talking. In fact, talking is a small part of communication. Actually, talking is the smallest part of communication. Years ago, Kodak did a study to determine what exactly makes up the total package when it comes to communication. Here's what they found. Verbal, our words, only represent 7% of the total package. Think about that. Words hold the least statistical value, yet most of us believe they are the primary factor in effective communication. They're not even close. Now, please understand, I'm not saying that what we say doesn't matter. It does. Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and death. Proverbs 21.23, those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. So a lot of us would have better friendships, marriages, relationships with our kids if we would guard our words, speak life rather than death. So please understand, words matter. Saying the right thing versus the wrong thing, speaking kindness rather than meanness, all of that matters. An older, happily married couple attending a marriage conference were asked, hey, what's the secret to your longevity and success in marriage? The husband looked at his wife and said, one word, filter. He said early in their marriage, he needed to filter his words. He said, sometimes I just had to bite my tongue and not say what I was thinking. I had to learn that kind words built up and harsh words tore down my wife. I needed to filter my words and not say everything I was thinking unless they were words that were intended to build up. I guess I would say that's been the biggest secret to our longevity and success. Jim Burns and Doug Fields advise compliment daily. Parents, try giving your kids at least one sincere compliment each day. Husbands, compliment your wife every day. Wives, compliment your husband every day. Kids, compliment your parents as often as you can. Friends, compliment your other friends every time you're together. Now, for some of you, affirmation, complimenting people consistently is difficult. Why is that? Well, some of you were raised in shame-based homes. These are homes emphasizing what you did wrong, where you failed, where you did not meet the expectations of mom or dad. Also, it's difficult for many of you because you have low-level bitterness or anger toward one another. And when you feel angry or bitter with someone, it is difficult to compliment him or her. And we're going to talk more about that in just a moment. So if you grew up in a shame-based home or you feel a low level of anger or bitterness toward your spouse or friend or parent, you will have to work exceptionally hard to compliment them consistently, to affirm them, to express kindness to them. Talking about getting better with our words. Let me give you some sound wisdom I picked up from people much smarter than me. Will Bowden wrote a book a few years ago called A Complaint-Free World. In the book, he challenged his readers to become complaint-free for 21 days. 
Basically, you are fasting from complaining for 21 days. More difficult than you think. Go ahead, try it. Start today. For the next three weeks, do not complain. Do not complain about the weather, your food, your clothes, your husband, your wife, your achy back, nothing for 21 days. Now, I can almost promise you, you'll have to start and stop and restart a few times at the beginning, but try it. Here's another principle recommended by experts in marriage, and I think it applies to friendship and all relationships in general. And, and this one has proven throughout my life to be exceptionally difficult. Don't ever put your spouse or friend or child or parent in front of other people. Don't ever put them down. Now, I'm not the kind of person to insult people or ridicule them or make fun of them from a mean spirit. But I do so in a joking way, and I need to be extremely careful. Here's a confession. I used to be really bad at this with Lana for a number of years. I thought I was being funny and having a good time at Lana's expense, and she would not mind. <laughs> wrong -o. We would go somewhere to dinner with friends or somewhere else, and during our time together, I would laugh at her or tell a joke or you know, make her the punchline or comment on a weakness of hers. It sounds much worse than it was, but nevertheless, I did it. And she would ask me to stop, and I would get upset. And I'd say things like, well, I'm just joking. You know, I don't mean anything by it. You're so sensitive. And then I would do it again next time. Needless to say, our evenings following those outings were not the most enjoyable. Ephesians 4.29, don't let any foul words come out of your mouth. Only say what is helpful when it is needed for building up. Words leave emotional scars. Now, let's move to the next factor making up successful communication. Tone. It's our attitudes. 38% of the total package. So even more important than the words you choose is the tone you choose to use to communicate those words. Ever heard it's not what you said, but how you said it? That's tone. The first time this hit home for me was when I was 21 years old. A pastor I greatly admired at the time asked me to preach for him, and I did. And I thought I did an amazing job. I brought so much information. I gave verse after verse, and I explained them all so well. I was clear about how rotten the people were, how sinful they had been. I was proud of myself, and I could not wait until he let me know how well I did. When I finished, he said, Scott, you brought a big message tonight. That was a man's message. I said, thank you. Then he said, but it wasn't what you said. It was how you said it that needs help. That hurt. My first reaction was, well, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I mean, I'm a better speaker than he is. I'm more educated, know more things, more talented. He's just not used to this kind of preaching. Until I spoke with Lana and she confirmed everything he said just a little more gently. People in relationships, if they're not careful, can become tone deaf. This happens when our words, although true, although correct, are delivered negatively and they trigger a negative reaction from our wives, friends, or sons and daughters. Here's an example. The statement, we're going to be late, said in a gentle, kind way, triggers a feeling of what can I do to help? Versus, we're going to be late, said in a harsh, impatient, judgmental way, triggers a feeling of, you are always making us late. I'm tired of it. When are you ever going to change? 
Notice how many additional negative words are added to the original six words, all because of tone. Tone matters. People will forget what you say, but they will never forget how you made them feel. So educate yourself on tone. Here's a great way to do so. Note what triggers you to use the wrong tone with people. Doug Fields and Jim Burns provide a few common triggers. I love these. First, hunger. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 says, Our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we should honor God with our bodies. If you are physically hungry, your tone will worsen. You must eat, and I don't mean Reese Cups and Mountain Dews. I mean protein, healthy, balanced meals. Pay attention to your body. Are you hungry? Anger is another one. Ephesians 4.26, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Basically, deal with your anger quickly. Don't let it fester. Don't push it down. Anger in and of itself is not bad. Anger can be good. But when you ignore anger, deny anger, excuse anger, never turns out well. And anger will definitely negatively affect your tone. The next one, loneliness. Just because you're around a lot of people doesn't mean you're not lonely. Just because you are married doesn't mean you're not lonely. When you feel dismissed or rejected or ignored, your tone will change. If you have a negative tone, ask yourself, am I lonely? The next one is tiredness. This is huge. When you were living on the edge, running from one meeting to the next, calendar is full, more to do than you can get done, tone will be negatively impacted. We have to offload some stuff in our lives so we can onload some healthy relationships. You can't have both. Now, if you pay careful attention, you notice the first letter of those four words spelled HALT, H-A-L-T. If your tone begins to slip, HALT, stop, and ask, am I hungry, angry, lonely, tired? If your tone is poor, more than likely it is one or more of these four. Also, if your spouse's tone or a friend's tone is poor, you can ask about these things. Maybe, maybe my wife needs a good healthy meal or extra sleep or an apology or for you to take a few things off of your friend's calendar. If so, your friend's tone or your wife's tone may change significantly. Pay attention, not only to yourself, but to others. The next one is nonverbal. When it comes to our total package, that's our bodies, our language and actions, that represents 55%. The most significant factor making up communication is nonverbal, more than half. This is where I have failed miserably in many of my relationships. It's not that my actions were hurtful or mean or selfish, although I'm certain they were at times, but my nonverbal communication was poor. My RBF was off the charts. Sometimes it still is. Here's another confession. I will text with Lana throughout the day. I will send her compliments, ask her questions, send her hearts, tell her I love her, ask about her day. And then when she comes home, I'm quiet. I don't smile. And she wants to know what's wrong. And the negative interaction often begins right there. Why do you think something's wrong, Lana? Well, you seem upset or angry or something. Well, well I'm not. I mean, haven't I been kind to you all through the day through text? Yes, but you're different in texting than in person. Boom. 
When Lana and I saw each other, or see each other at the end of the day, my body language and face sometimes contradicts my texting. Nonverbal communication is powerful. Again, Fields and Burns have an easy to remember guide. They, they call it the triple A's of communication. Here they are. The first one is affection. Obviously, when it comes to relationships within the context of marriage, affection is crucial, and hopefully you know what is meant, and I'm not referring only to sex. Most affection within marriage is non-sexual. Kind words, gifts, hand-holding, compliments, hugs. Now, when it comes to relationships outside marriage, friends, siblings, parents, how can one express affection for friends or family? Well, gifts, texts, calls, meals, coffee, birthday, Christmas. Affection needs to be part of every relationship. You cease to be affectionate, the relationships begins to wither. The next one is atmosphere. This is about creating space in one's life and home where healthy, loving, joyful relationships can be built. Experts recommend places like the dinner table. Protect that atmosphere. The bedroom, protect it. Try not to make it a place of work only a place of rest and fun. Friends can also create positive atmospheres, group dates consistently, coffee dates with friends, create positive, life-giving, stress-free atmospheres for the relationships to thrive. The next day, attention. We hear it all the time. My wife doesn't listen to me. My husband acts like I'm not even in the room. My parents don't care about my opinion. Attentive listening is critical in all relationships. Most of us do not listen while the other person is talking. We are simply quiet while the other person is talking, thinking about what we're going to say as soon as the other person shuts up. That's not listening. Listening is active, not passive. Listening is concentrating on what the other person is saying in an effort not to contradict or one-up the person or show how you know more than they do or destroy their argument. No, but in an effort to understand what the other person is saying, how it makes them feel. There actually should be as much work going into the listening part as in the speaking part. And one of the best ways to do this is an action called mirroring which simply means reflecting back to the person what he or she said. Now, this is gold. I wish I would have known this years ago. Here it is. Get in the habit of repeating the heart of what your husband or wife or friend or child says. I don't mean everything he or she says, but the important things, the weighty matters of the relationship. Here's an example. Uh, the wife says, thank you for doing the dishes. I was tired tonight. The husband could respond like something like this. So it was a big deal for me to do the dishes. Well, would you like for me to do them more often? That's mirroring. A friend says, thanks for meeting with me today. I needed to talk. Then you could say something along the lines of, so, so this was helpful for me to come and meet with you. Well, what else can I do to help you? That's mirroring. It's reflecting back to the person what he or she is saying. Underneath the words, you're repeating the motive, the heart, the purpose. This one action would clear up so much. It's important because one can mirror back the wrong response, and then you get understanding. For instance, a wife could say to her husband, thank you for the hug, I needed it. And then the husband could say, oh, so what you're saying is you want to have sex. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. Also, one, one more huge piece in mirroring. When appropriate, use the phrase, is there more at the end? 
Ask your wife or friend or parent or kid, is there anything else you want me to know or understand? If you master any form of communication, it should be listening. James 1.19, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. Let me ask you a question. Are you a quick listener? Do you rush to listen to what people say? Are you more quick to speak? I have to be honest with you, for most of my life, I have been quick to speak and slow to listen. That's an area uh, in which I'm repenting. I want you to imagine with me hundreds of people throughout Elizabeth City, married couples, friends, family members, intentionally filtering their words, monitoring their tones, and aligning their bodies with their words and tones. What difference would it make in the day-to-day -day experience of our kids when mom and dad get along and they stop arguing and frustration dies down in the homes? What difference would it make when they are sent into the world each morning with a smile and they're greeted when they come home from school or work with a hug? What difference would it make in the experience of your wife, sir, if you not only spoke gentle, kind words, but your tone was gentle and kind and your body reflected gentleness and kindness too? How much more would husbands look forward to seeing their wives at the end of the day if their wives were kinder, gentler, more affectionate toward them when they saw one another? What about friends? What if friends actually went out of their way to celebrate and love one another with words and hugs and gifts and time? Our families would change. Our churches would change. Our cities would change. Our nation would change. Listen. All healthy, life-giving, joyful relationships rest on a solid foundation of connection. If there is no connection, there is no relationship. It doesn't matter if it's between friends, spouses, siblings, parents, all relationships rest on a foundation of connection. And the fastest route to connection, the quickest way to establish and keep connection between these two or more people is effective, clear, strong communication. That's the first ingredient to a recipe for healthy relationships. Let's go for it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for challenging us today to take a look at our relationships. How well are we doing? Some wisdom we can gather, some truth we can apply to our lives. Father, your word tells us that when we uh, begin to live out the truth, that truth will change us. It'll set us free. So Father, may we take this information and apply it to our lives and begin to see our relationships improve. And when our relationships improve, the quality of our lives improve. And when the quality of our lives improve, everything improves. Thank you for this today. And we ask you to take it and, and push it deep down inside of us and may it take root and grow. And we thank you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.